You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. Welcome into the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You're joined by thousands of photographers listening to the show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. Thanks so much for coming along for the ride. I am Jeff Harmon, the host for this episode. And uh, unfortunately, for this episode, you only have me. <laughs> I couldn't arrange to have anyone else come on the show with me today. Summer's hit and everyone's become super busy. And um, and so I, I just couldn't arrange between my schedule and everybody else to be able to get some an, a co-host on today or, or more than a co-host. So you just have me. You're stuck with me. Sorry. <laughs> I, hope, I hope it's an episode that you'll still enjoy, especially because it's going to be a really geeky episode. You know, if it's me, it's going to be geeky. <laughs> if I have, uh, if, if it's just me, yeah, you're in trouble. <laughs> so, so hopefully you, you enjoy this episode. We'll see. I, 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 I'm really excited about this. I hope you can tell from how I'm talking about this topic that I'm really excited about what I want to, I want to talk about today. But I understand it's not so exciting for everybody. And so I, I get it. If you start listening and you decide, yeah, this episode's not for me. I'm sorry. I get it. <laughs> and we'll we'll have more episodes in the future. Stick with us, please. Don't give up if you if you really don't like this episode. But um give it a chance. Okay. At least give it a chance. Uh for those of you that didn't already skip it because of the title, give it a chance. I think. There's some information here, even if you don't fully follow and understand everything that I say in the episode because it's too technical, I'm going to try really hard not to make it too technical. But um, but if you don't understand everything, it's it's I still think it's worth listening to kind of at least what it is that I'm working on and how it will help you even if you don't understand the full details. Okay. The main topic for the show today is going to be how much memory does Lightroom need? It's a recent post that I made over at phototacopodcast.com. I'm trying to create a resource for photographers in phototacopodcast.com that will uh, um, help photographers find answers to technical problems in terms that are as easy as I can think of to make it. Trying to make it so it's not a purely technical discussion that most photographers can't follow. I'm trying that. I'm not sure how well I succeed, but it's it's really a, a big effort that I'm trying to make. And um, and a common question that I'm seeing between our Facebook groups for many years, um, email questions, or even just searches, um, comments on my website at phototacopodcast.com. Between all of those, I get a lot of very similar questions, a whole bunch of questions along the way. I often hear from photographers who are they've decided they've got to get a new computer. They need a new computer because Lightroom is just too slow for them and Photoshop is too slow for them. They can't handle it anymore. And and I, they just, they got to go buy a new computer. And so they start looking and they start on and they're like, oh my gosh, these are so expensive. These computers are so much money. And I don't know what all of these numbers and acronyms and, <laughs> and symbols, what do they all mean? I don't know what any of this stuff is. And so I get questions all the time of like, hey, there's this computer that looks like a good deal. Like it's, they're excited because it's in their budget, I think is the, the primary thing. This computer is in my budget. They don't say it that way, but is it going to be good for Photoshop and Lightroom? Is it going to be good for Lightroom? 
and they they're they just are like i can feel the like oh please tell me this is good enough please please tell me this is gonna work because i'm so tired of having a slow computer or having lightroom be really slow and i'm really hoping that this computer that's in my budget can work and it's tough to answer that question because computers are are different there's so many different options and there's so many different budget categories and I, because I can tell they're usually like, oh, please, please let this work. I, I try my best to be like, uh, well, and often because it's a budget thing, it's just not quite enough. And so I'll tell them, you know, it, when I have time, I don't have time to respond to all of these individually really, really fast. Uh, I'll tell them, you know, where it lacks, where it needs something else and, and what to look for. So, um, <laughs> so in this episode, what I want to do is just focus on memory. I'm going to, st- well, I'm going to start focusing on memory. That's what most of the show is going to be. And then I'm going to talk about a massive project that I've started. But let's, let's start off with this whole question. How much memory does Lightroom need? Now, I want resources that are over at phototacopodcast.com for people who don't listen to the show or uh, to, to Phototaco Podcast or Master Photography Podcast. People who aren't necessarily podcast listeners and they're just looking for help on what a photographer needs in a computer, um, you know, specializing in that information. So I'm trying to create that resource. And this question, how much memory does the computer need to run Lightroom is super common. So I decided I needed to write a, a post about it that wasn't a podcast. And now I'm doing a podcast about it. But that's that's fine. I, I want to share the information every medium I can. And uh, I, I even need to do a YouTube video on it for people that find the information that way. I want to provide the information in as many forms as I can so that photographers get help with this stuff. Um, I, I'm really interested in providing that kind of help. So I wrote this article. And as I started to write the article over at phototacopodcast.com, I realized I only had kind of superficial anecdotal evidence about how much memory Lightroom uses. I had this concept of how much it uses based on, you know, many years of running Lightroom. And I watched the resource utilization. I watched kind of how much memory gets used just periodically. I'll be interested, especially if something gets slow, then I'll go check out the resources. I'll I'll use task manager in Windows or activity monitor on Mac and kind of look at stuff just to see kind of what's wrong, what's a problem, why, why try to figure out why something looks like it's slow. And uh, so I, I've done that enough that I had a general sense of how much memory Lightroom needed. And uh, being a, a developer for many years, I have a, a really good sense for how applications, how programs that you run on your computer need memory, how it, how it works, what you need. Um, memory was a, a massive deal as I was a developer to try to figure out how to how to manage it well, how to use the least amount of it possible so that I could have things perform well. So I, I have a really kind of deep technical knowledge about how it works and then and uh, even how the software development part of it works, plus my experience. But what I didn't have was actual like close monitoring of the memory as I was using Lightroom. So I decided as I was creating this post, this article, I actually needed to do that. I needed to be able to speak more authoritatively to this and really, really answer this question in detail instead and, and based on 
real information instead instead of the superficial, anecdotal, not truly tested kind of experience that I had to that point. And then that's what led to my massive project. I'll talk about it at the end. I went down the rabbit hole deep. And uh, and I hope it's going to be something that photographers are going to enjoy getting some information. But let's stick to this the topic for right now. How much memory does Lightroom need? All right. So as you're going to go buy a computer today here in 2019, mid-2019, you're, you're going to find some variability with Macs. The, mo- the least amount of memory you can buy is 8 gigabytes. And they do co- refer to it as memory. I want to make a distinction right now at the top here. When I'm talking about memory, I am not talking about hard drives, SSDs, external drives, you know, Drobo's, uh, Synology systems, any of that stuff. That is storage, not memory. And I, I hear photographers confuse those two things regularly. So I wanted to make sure that distinction's made. We're not talking about that here. It's not the disks. It's not where your files, your raw files are being stored or your JPEGs are being stored. That is something entirely different. It does not enter into the equation mostly. <laughs> there, There is kind of one little way. But anyway, we're talking about memory that is inside your computer. And it looks like these little people who build computers call it sticks of memory. They don't really look like a stick. It's like a a long skinny rectangle that you stick in there. Maybe that's because you stick it in there. I don't know. (laughs) And there's, it's like a, a, you slide this long skinny rectangle, thin rectangle into a slot on the computer. And then your computer uses it for keeping information around. And, and being able to access it really, really quickly. Um, it's also called RAM. That's kind of the more technical name for it, random access memory. And uh, that's all I'm going to go into on the technical part of this. Just so, but as you're going to buy a computer, it's going to be listed, especially at Apple, as memory. On PC, it's pro, it's almost always referred to as memory now too, but they have some, some places do refer to it as RAM. And if you're talking to a computer guy, they're going to call it RAM most of the time, not memory. But RAM memory is the same thing. Memory and storage, disks, hard drives, SSD is totally different. Hopefully, you're you're getting that as we go through this now. For for any of you that don't already know this, that's that's kind of the what we're talking about. So we're talking about the memory inside the computer with Macs. When you buy a computer, like I said, you can go the lowest you can go is eight. And it used to be a strategy a while ago that because Apple charged a lot for their memory, you could buy the least amount. And then when you got the computer, you could go and upgrade it yourself. For for quite a few years, the memory was user accessible. And so there was, you know, Apple, of course, didn't really want you to do this necessarily. Um, and most photographers probably don't care to do this. But you couldn't, you, they, they allowed for you a way for you to fairly easily upgrade the memory. They've gone away from that for the most part here in 2019. So if you buy a Mac today, there's a few. The the 2018 Mac Mini will let you replace the memory. It's not completely trivial. You have to take apart the computer pretty good and it's not it's such a compact little device. It's not 
super trivial, but it's totally possible. If you're listening, even if you've never done it before, you could do this. So that is a possible strategy with the the Mac Mini 2018 to buy it with 8 gig and then you could upgrade it for much, much cheaper yourself. If if you budget's a thing and you want to do that. And I'll have a link in the in the phototacopodcast.com article. There's a link at the bottom that kind of goes through this. Also in the 27-inch iMac, it's really easy. That's like super easy to be able to replace the memory. So that's another place where you could do this. You could buy it with eight gigabytes of RAM of memory. See, I said it, I said RAM there. Eight gigabytes of memory and upgrade it yourself. Total, total chi- uh, simple, simple change there. All right. So so there's that. With most PCs, not all, not there are going to be some where you can't actually upgrade the memory, but in most, for the most part, when you buy a PC, you can go change it pretty easily. It's usually a pretty user accessible thing so that you can upgrade it even in laptops. Uh, MacBook Pros, you can't. You just can't get to the memory. So you're not going to be upgrading it. You have to buy it with the memory you need, which is the question. This is why photographers come and ask this because they're a lot of them are on apple.com. They're looking for a new Mac because they're just tired of how slow Lightroom is. And they're faced with this question like, okay, default is eight gigabytes. Is it worth buying, spending the money to get to 16 or 32 or 64? What should I do here? And they start searching on the internet like, well, I don't know. What does this mean? Does this matter for Lightroom? That's what I'm worried about is Lightroom. Is this, does this matter? And so um, let me tell you what matters. I've now done some testing about how much memory Lightroom uses. And I wouldn't say it's fully scientific, the testing that I've done, because it's not automated. It's not going to be done exactly the same way across a battery of tests. I have a limited set of hardware to try it on. I only I have a Mac and I have a PC. And uh, so I I don't have a full set of hardware to try it on. It would take so long to test a full set of hardware too, that it's, it's not fully scientific. I I can't tell you that this is, you know, (laughs) there's not going to be some variability because there will be depending on exactly what you're doing, which computer you've got, how this is going to work. But I think that memory is leveling that out a little bit. I don't think it matters. It changes a lot or enough from computer to computer with how memory works and, and how Lightroom works, that it's going to be dramatically different between your setup and mine and, and what you're using. So I think this is a fairly decent kind of uh, way to, to represent the information and valid. I, I think it's fully valid, even though not completely fully scientific and, and uh, approvable kind of thing. But so here, here's the general information. Eight gigabytes can work. It totally can work. It. Uh, I was kind of surprised by this that eight gigabytes can work on both Mac and PC. It responded very similarly, so you don't have a massive difference there either. Personal preference: choose whichever one you like. It doesn't matter as far as memory utilization goes. It uses memory about the same both Mac and PC, and eight gigabytes is totally enough. Here's what I did in the testing. Just to to walk you through some of the details, I did uh, I I had nothing else running while I was doing this test. I didn't want any other programs to be using the hardware to make it influence what was there. And I can take readings from Task Manager in Windows or Activity Monitor on Mac and be able to tell exactly what's going on with just Lightroom. So there's nothing else running. 
And, um, and then I start up Lightroom. I, I note down how much memory is being used. And then I start up Lightroom. And on both Mac and PC, it took about 1.5 gigabytes of memory. Now, I do have to tell you, my Mac had 16 gigabytes. My PC has 32 gigabytes of memory. So that variation uh, didn't end up being a big deal in any of the testing that I did really. Uh, well, it did at one point, but I'll, and I'll get into that. So, um, so they both have enough room that, that Lightroom could use as much memory as it needs. They, they weren't really constrained. And, and I could see, all right, now because they had more than eight, if someone only had eight, are they likely to run into problems? So when you start up, 1.5 gigabytes used of the memory. All right. Then the next thing I did was I thought, okay, the, the workflow would be probably import. Then I'm going to scroll through photos and then I'm going to, uh, you know, edit photos in the develop module. So I wanted to replicate that workflow. And I decided to only start with the scrolling through the photos the import process, um, I didn't. I didn't test to see how the memory went there. Maybe I should redo the test to include that in the information, but I don't think it'd change anything. What uh, What I started with was just scrolling through some images. So I I started up Lightroom and I scrolled through twenty raw photos. These are twenty megapixel raw files, and I scrolled through them, went through them as almost as fast as I could, waiting for Lightroom to fully you know, change the view, bring up the photo in the develop module and, um, and populate the histogram, populate the history on the left, populate all of the panels and then move to the next photo again. So it, it could go pretty fast. Um, I did not have previews generated yet. This was without previews because that's how I would do it with the embedded workflow process. And I wanted to see just like without previews what happened. And so after scrolling through 20 photos, when I got to the end of 20, checked the memory that was used, it was 3.5 gig now. So it jumped from 1.5 at startup, just doing nothing, and only doing that activity, it added two gigabytes of memory used. And so that was a pretty good jump. And I thought, oh boy, yeah, I'm going to see that eight gigabytes is not enough. That was huge to scroll through those photos just to do that. All right. Then I thought, okay, now the next thing people would probably do is change a few sliders on several of the raw images. And so I did that. I played around with a bunch of the sliders, changed, edited the photos on, on a few of them. And the memory only went up to four gigabytes. So to increase by another half, that's the, the, the sliders in the develop module, the adjustment brushes using the develop module and editing a photo it didn't add much memory. And that kind of surprised me. I expected that to be kind of a bigger deal and something that would take more memory. But it, it, those activities don't tend to take a lot of memory. There's other resources they take. And I'll talk about that at the end of the show. But, uh, but yeah, using the develop module and adjusting a photo doesn't seem to take a whole lot of memory. Then I decided, now let's see what it takes. If I generate a one-to-one -one and smart previews on these 20 megapixel raw files... How much memory does that take? Which would be kind of something you would notice on import too. If you do this as part of the import process, this would give you an indication about how much memory would get used. And generating those previews, one-to-one -one and smart, they done both at the same time and then waited for it to be done. It jumped from four gigabytes to seven gigabytes of memory. It, well, that was a massive 
three gigabyte jump. And these are only 20 megapixel RAWs. I would imagine I'm going to test more to figure this out, but I wanted to share what information I had right now. Um, If you had larger megapixel images, I expect it to take more. So you're already dangerously close to the limit of eight gigabytes of memory. And this is doing just normal kind of processing in Lightroom. So you're dangerously close, eight gigabytes. Just because your computer has eight gigabytes of memory does not mean you actually have eight gigabytes to give Lightroom. Mac OS and Windows 10, they'll both take some memory itself. Just the computer running needs some memory for the operating system. Okay, so, and they they vary. I'm not going to go into the numbers on, on what that is. Any other programs that you're running at the same time are going to take memory, especially web browsers. That is a big deal. If you run a web browser at the same time as you are running uh, Photoshop and Lightroom, those web browsers take um, a massive amount of memory. The more tabs you have open, the more memory it takes. So yes, eight gigabytes should work for the bulk of the use cases, the average stuff that you do in Lightroom. The things I just talked about, that's the average workflow. That's the the full thing. I didn't do exports as part of this test. I don't, that, that doesn't take a ton of memory either. Um, it's mostly CPU. So yes, you can run with eight gigabytes because Lightroom doesn't really want more than about seven. And this was, remember, I had way more memory available. So if you had eight, your computer probably won't let it. And Lightroom probably would more aggressively like release memory. Um, but you, you're going to, it's going to struggle a little to have other things running at the same time. It'll work pretty well if you close everything else down and you just run Lightroom. If you're going to do more than that, if you want to be able to run other things at the same time, if you want, and if you're going to use more advanced features in Lightroom, I'll get to in a second, or if you're going to run Photoshop at the same time, eight's just not going to be enough. You're going to have challenges with eight. And this is where the crossover kind of happens. The the mystery about, well, what if I run out? (laughs) What if I don't have enough memory and Lightroom needs more? What happens? And it can happen even if you only have eight gigabytes of memory in your computer. If you do one of these other features I'm going to talk about in a second that needs more, it has to resort. The the operating system is going to help you. And it's built in kind of a a fail-safe mechanism. This has been around for years and years and years. If the computer runs out of memory, physical memory in the computer to be able to use and, and some program that you're running needs more like Lightroom might need more. What it does is the, the operating system uses your hard drive now or your SSD to act like memory, but it's way slower. Even a, a fast SSD drive is way slower, far, far slower than your memory in your computer. And so it will try to use your hard drive as kind of virtual memory is, is what it's called it's, it slows things down tremendously. It means it can do the task. Your program, like Lightroom, if it says, hey, hey, Mac OS or hey, Windows, I need another gigabyte of memory. And Mac OS or Windows says, I don't have a gig to give you. I'm going to go hurry and use the hard drive and I'm going to make it look like memory and I'm going to hand you back some memory. But it's going to be, it's going to slow things down. And that's that's kind of how it works. So you don't want to run out. You want to have enough 
actual memory in your computer so that the performance can keep up. And it'll be way faster if the activities you're doing in Lightroom don't run out of memory. You don't want to be there. You want to have enough. Eight gigabytes is barely enough to do the basics in Lightroom. And you're going to have to shut everything else down is, has been my experience. And that gets worse as you increase the megapixel count in your files. 20 is what I tested with. If you have a camera that has more megapixels than that, the memory needs grow. All right. So, so that's, that's eight gigabytes. It can work. People have asked me, yes, it can. I just don't recommend it. So is it worth paying for 16 gigabytes of memory? Absolutely. It is worth that just to relieve that pressure that you don't need, uh, you don't, that you might run out and make sure that you can run things at the same time. And it's just going to go better. Is it going to make a massive difference eight to 16 in like your very basic usage? No, no, I've proven that now. I was surprised. I thought it would, but it it really isn't going to make a huge difference on most use cases. Here's where it'll make a difference though. By the way, this is all tested in Lightroom Classic 8.3.1, which is the most current release as I'm recording here in July, 2019. Um, previous releases may have worked differently and future releases, of course, I can't speak to yet, but what I'm excited about is I now have some baseline testing to be able to compare it against so I can watch out for like changes in this behavior and how it works. So um, 16 gigabytes, why you would need that for sure over eight. Here's what I did to challenge it. After I was I went through this, I was surprised. I was like, wow, that I thought for sure just using basic features in Lightroom, I was going to go over eight gigabytes. Thought for sure. And I was surprised that I didn't. I, the most I could get it up to was about that seven gigabyte limit, which was it was just super surprising to me. I thought for sure that would do it. By the way, another thing to note, it doesn't ever like go down <laughs> as, you're, as you're using Lightroom. It's not like um, as it doesn't need it anymore. It, it goes, it, Lightroom goes ahead and releases that memory. And I get why they, they probably don't, shouldn't write it that way. The program shouldn't work that way. Uh, it takes a little bit of time when Lightroom says, I need more memory to Mac or Mac OS or Windows. There's a time there. Like it has to talk to the operating system and get more memory. So it's, it's probably helpful to performance to make it so that Lightroom isn't actively looking to how I can give up memory, how I can return memory back to the computer so I'm not using it anymore. And so it, it just keeps it as it goes up. Uh, and up and up as you're using Lightroom. And I've seen this now very consistently across a lot more testing than just what I did here. Um, It just hangs on to it. Once it gets memory, it hangs on to it until you close the program, which it does a good job of today. If it didn't, if when you closed Lightroom, if you stopped running it, though some of the memory didn't go back to the computer, that's called a memory leak. It's a problem. It's a bug in software. It's a frequent bug in software. And Lightroom has struggled with this at different versions in the past. But today, Lightroom Classic 8.3.1, it does a good job. When you close the program, it releases all the memory back to Windows or Mac OS, and and you can redo it. So that's another strategy you can build into your, your workflow. If you, you only have eight gigabytes of memory, If you went through and built smart previews and generated one-to-one previews, that's going to use a ton of memory. And then you could close Lightroom and reopen it. And it's going to have, it won't be using as much memory anymore. And you, you might be, it might run a little faster 
if you get there. Or if it feels really slow, that's totally an option you should try. If Lightroom just feels like it's crawling, try closing it. Make sure it's closed all the way. Um, Mac can struggle there, although I think it, it does a good job today. If you if you hit the close button, it, it actually quits the program. Um, and and then restart it and see if giving it re- kind of hitting the reset button on memory utilization will will help. All right, so so there's that. There's all of that that I've said now. Now let's get to the features. What I did to make it so that I could get over. I made Lightroom take more than seven gigabytes of memory, and these are kind of the, I'll, I'll call them the more advanced features of Lightroom. Something that probably not every photographer is using, and not every photographer is using every day unless you're really into this type of photography. What I did, it was I threw at it a panorama merge of 13 raw files. And if you don't know what that means, it's, uh, you know, really basically it's, I used my camera in portrait orientation, you know, tilted to the side, not, not straight, uh, not, not level. And I took 13 different frames of a landscape scene and I overlapped those frames by about a third so that when I got back to my computer, I could merge all those frames together and make one big image out of those 13 frames of the landscape scene. It's a really cool way to be able to get lots more detail, increase the megapixels of your image. It's really fun. I love doing panorama stuff and merging 13 raw files. I knew from past experience, this was a really intensive kind of use of Lightroom. It's a fairly new feature in Lightroom. It hasn't always had it. And, uh, and it doesn't always do the perfect job either. Sometimes I either have to go to Photoshop to do it or use other tools because it doesn't work well in Lightroom. Sometimes Lightroom can't put them together and, uh, and it's a challenge. So, but I knew this was a really taxing feature of Lightroom just from having used it in the past, but I'd never watched the memory utilization. So I, I knew I had to do this as a test. <laughs> I had to see how much memory got used when I did this. All right. So I decided I wanted to really challenge it too. Having seen that the 20 raw files where I generated the one-to-one in smart previews used up three gigabytes of memory just to do that, I decided, all right, I'm really going to challenge Lightroom. I want to do that on more images. So I found a, a set of 533 raw photos I hadn't edited yet. Again, these are the 20 megapixel images, but 533 of them. And I set Lightroom to building one-to-one and smart previews for all 533 photos in the background. So I started that and then immediately went back to this 13 frames raw files and did the photo merge at the same time, the panorama merge at the same time. So both activities were going on at once. And hardware utilization, of course, went up across the board. Everything went up and the memory jumped up on, this was on my, my PC to 20 gigabytes of usage. So I got it out of seven and I got it all the way up to 20 gigabytes while it was processing all of this stuff. Now that's a ton that it's asked to do. And I totally do not recommend that you do anything while building one-to-one and smart previews. If, if you want those previews, do that and walk away for a bit. <laughs> do something else. Go get a drink. Go stand up. Go walk around the room. Maybe you need a little break anyway. Let those things build. Don't do stuff at the same time. It's just kind of ridiculous to try to use Lightroom at the same time when you're doing those things. But I wanted to challenge the system. So I did that. And I was watching the memory continuously while this was going on. After the merge was done, which took a while, <laughs> but after the merge was finally finished, 
Um, at the peak, it used 20 gigabytes. And this is one use case where I saw Lightroom actually give back memory. And when it was finished with the merge, it went back down to 16 gigabytes. So I started at seven. It at the peak went to 20. And at the end, it settled back down to 16. So that was interesting one to see that this was one of the first times I saw Lightroom actually give memory back to the computer for use in other programs. And, uh, and that it settled at about 16 gigabytes. So now the, that's the thing. If 16 is enough or not. Yes, for almost every use case, 16 is going to be the sweet spot. That's what I'm going to recommend to most photographers. If you're going to go buy a computer today in 2019, budget is a concern and you want to save as much as you can. I totally get that. It is worth it to go from the 8 to the 16 gigabytes for how Lightroom works today here in 2019. Is it worth it to go from 16 to 32? You're going to have to answer that based on what you do in Lightroom. Are you a person who does a lot of panoramas, does a lot of HDRs? Uh, Are you using really high megapixel RAW files? If so, yes, 32 might be worth it for you. But for the most part, 16 is going to be good for almost everybody listening. Um, Now, what about where it may be really needed to get to 32? The use case for that is kind of my style of editing for a lot of what I do. I do a lot of sports composites. I have a ton of fun shooting high school uh, athletes and uh, doing like their team photos, doing game day ads so that they can use that to try to get people to come to their games. And uh, and it's so fun, but it's it means compositing. And it means I'm in Lightroom doing my my basic edits and, and making the photos get prepped for what I'm going to do in Photoshop to composite them into a background. That workflow, that use case, it needs more than 16 gigabytes of memory. I'm regularly up to the 32, you know, stretching to the limits of 32 gigabytes of memory in that workflow. And I've even run out of memory. I have 32 gigabytes in my PC. I have had Photoshop fail and tell me it couldn't do something because it didn't have enough memory to run. So totally possible that you need 32 or even 64 gigabytes of memory, um, depending on what you're doing. If you're doing gigapixel kind of workflows where you're, you're merging together so many photos, you're ending up with gigapixel images. If you're dealing with really high megapixel files and you're doing composites and you're round tripping from Lightroom to Photoshop a lot, 16 is probably not enough. You probably need 32 and maybe even 64 if you if you can afford it. Now again, uh, and there'll be a link in the phototacopodcast.com article that I wrote it has all this information in it that I just went through. There, I'll put a link in kind of how you can upgrade stuff yourself if um, if you need to save a little money and go and, and get more more memory for your computer. All right, so that's that's the basics of that. That's what I wanted to cover mostly in this episode. Now, where did it go from here? As I did this editing, I realized. I I debunked some things that I thought I knew about Lightroom and realized that I'd never actually tested this thoroughly like this. I'd never gone through this workflow and specifically watched how much memory was being used as I was doing things in Lightroom. So I went out and searched. I was like, okay, can I corroborate my findings with other people's? Uh, Can I find out what other people say about this And, and Lightroom details and memory usage or it started to bring on questions too, like, man, I want to answer this question about processor. 
I want to answer this question about graphics processors. And I want to know how all of the features in Lightroom need hardware. What, What do they need? And as I started to look around... I came to the conclusion after doing a lot of Google searching and and trying to find anything on this topic, there's not the information out there that I'm looking for. And so that means I got to go get it. (laughs) I have to go get this information. I have to do the testing to figure out what it is that Lightroom needs in a computer so that it will feel fast. And there is some information on a few features of Lightroom. My favorite resource for that is PugetSystems.com. I've talked about them before on the show. I've talked about them in PhotoTalk. I've even had them on PhotoTalk because they are a computer builder. They build PCs that build for creatives. So they they keep up really well on what does Lightroom need in a computer? What, What hardware makes Lightroom run well? And they have their own tests. Um, They have some really good tests for Photoshop, some really good tests for like Adobe Premiere uh, and some other software for creatives. Um, What they don't quantify very well or the Lightroom testing that they do focuses on some areas that I'm less interested in. Import, they focus on that. They focus on export and export I have some interest in, but I'm not as worried. I can go click on export. I'm kind of done. I need a break anyway. I've just finished a massive editing session. I need to go get a drink. I need to go stand up for a minute. I I really don't care if export takes a little bit of time. Um, It's not my primary focus. I'd love it to be as fast as it can. Of course, everyone would. But um, they, they test those things. They test, you know, how fast can do DNG conversions? They test how fast can the panorama merge happen and how fast can the HDR merge happen and some some of those kinds of functions because it's really repeatable and lends itself to quantifiable scientific kinds of testing. What doesn't lend itself to that, (laughs) as I have discovered, is the develop module. And that's where all of us spend most of our time, right? That's where we get our sense of how fast or slow Lightroom is. Sure, the import process, we're, we're impatient to see our photos. And export process, we're impatient that we, w- we want to deliver those photos to our clients. And we care about those things. And we notice when they're not fast. But the place where we really say Lightroom is slow is because those darn sliders in the develop module aren't responding in real time as I'm moving them, right? Are you with me? Isn't that how you judge how fast or slow Lightroom is? Or, or as I'm laying down uh, an adjustment brush and I'm painting on the screen... It's not keeping up with where I paint. Why is it not doing that? It's so slow. That's where the bulk of the perception of slowness comes in. And I don't see that quantified anywhere. I have tried to find any information on any kind of testing that people have done to tell me what is the difference between, let's say, the temperature slider and the tint slider, or the exposure slider and the the texture slider, the clarity slider. What about sharpening and and a rotation and scaling and post-crop vignetting and uh, adjustment brushes, all of those things, how do they use hardware? What does more memory matter there? What I've actually discovered, no. Memory doesn't really change much in the testing I've done. And I'm going to do more exhaustive testing on this just to, to confirm that and give you an idea. But no, the memory does, didn't only went up half a gig as I did my 20 raw files and doing some post-processing on, on them, it only went up 20 or a half a gig. It wasn't much difference in memory utilization as I used those sliders. 
so what makes them slow? What makes them slow down? What does what do they need? Do they need processor? Do they need graphics processor? What what's going to matter? So I can't find the information anywhere and I'm tired of the surface level anecdotal sort of data that I've had. I realized as I did this memory thing, I need more information to be able to better answer for photographers what kind of hardware they need in a computer. If they're going to go buy a computer, what specs should they look for? What numbers in that, in those descriptions should they be looking for? And and I I need it to be something that is way more scientific based. I still have constraints. I still have limits. So I can't say it's fully scientific. It's full um, analysis kind of information that's that's <clears throat> that's fully reliable because I have limited access to hardware, very limited time <laughs> to be able to do this. But I wanted to get as detailed as I can. And that's why I have started this massive project. I didn't realize it was going to be massive until I started it. And now as I've gotten into it and I've, I've got, I don't know, about a week's worth of time that I've spent on this, I've already invested probably five or six hours of testing and getting creative, figuring out what my test would be and now executing on that test. And um, what I've come up with is I'm going to test 51 develop module features, 51 of them. And this is develop only. This isn't, this is not going to be import. This is not going to be export. This is not going to be panorama merge or uh, DNG conversion. All of those things, there's some information out there. I'm less interested in that anyway. It's the develop module and these sliders and adjustment brushes and, and uh, radial filters and gradient filters, spot removal. That's what I want to test. I want to know what matters and what doesn't in the develop module and what makes it feel slow. And so <clears throat> I've got 51 features of the develop module and it's pretty much everything you can think of. I mean, can you think of 51 separate features in develop? It's not every single one or every variable that would be uh, insane. <laughs> but I've come up with 51 different features. It's it's all the sliders. It's the adjustment brushes, radio filters, gradient. Um, it, it's I'll, I'll share with you the full details in another episode and in, a, in another blog post. But I am what I what my approach is going to be for this test, this massive project, and why it's going to take so long to get the data. I'm going to go into Lightroom and I'm going to start working on files. Um, I'm going to try some controls, some baseline testing, and then I'm going to, and I'm going to repeat the same test of these same 51 features and then, then change one variable about the hardware or one very, I'll explain that in a second, but what, how I'm going to do this to make it so that I can make it as comparable as possible. This is a challenge. This is probably why you don't see a lot of information out there on the develop module and what matters for hardware, because how do you test to make sure that the, the temperature sliders keeping up with you? And like, if you change something, did it get better? How do you test that? You generally, you use these sliders in a you know, everyone use them at a different pace, how fast they're moving the slider back and forth. And how do you make sure that you're doing that like really consistently from test to test to test that when I'm, if I'm testing the exposure slider that I'm test, I'm moving it at the same rate that I did the last time. And how do I tell, like, is it keeping up as well as previous tests and, and compare them one to another? 
And it, it's tough. It's it's not the kind of software that lends itself to automated testing and really solid comparisons. It's going to be, I, I think no matter how I set this up, it's going to be a, a kind of subjective sort of thing. It's just going to have, I'm calling it feel as I'm doing the tests. So I'm going to take down some numbers and, but I'm, I'm also going to like, how did it feel? How did the fi- the slider feel? And I'm going to have to just in my head, remember how it was in a previous scenario that I was testing and compared to now, after I changed something about the hardware or something about previews or not, stuff like that. How did it, how did the slider change? How did the feel of the slider change? That's a subjective part. I can't quantify that. There's not a number I can give to it. But what I can do and what I've kind of discovered now as I've gone into the testing and spent five or six hours on it already, I'm going to do something no photographer ever would with the software. This is a use case that's completely impractical, but I think it's the only way I can really get to the numbers, like an actual quantifiable kind of number between these 51 different features of Lightroom. So here's the way that what I'm doing. I'm going into Lightroom and I'm going to go down the workflow in the order that Lightroom engineers and Adobe thinks we should be. The, the way the panels are set up, the way the sliders are set up, they're a very specific purpose. It's, it's kind of the workflow that they anticipate photographers are going to want to go through and should go through. And, um, and so I'm going to go through it in that order. Doesn't mean you have to. It's just how I think it makes most sense to test since I think it's going to match what most photographers are doing, since that's the layout of the UI, the, the what, how Lightroom is, is set up. And, and I think it makes the most sense. It should appeal to most of you. The information should be applicable to most of you. So I'm going to start with the temperature slider. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring up my monitor of the hardware. Windows is going to be Task Manager. And in Mac OS, it's going to be Activity Monitor. And I'm going to watch... CP processor utilization. I'm going to watch graphics processor utilization, and I'm wa- I'm going to watch the memory again. I'm going to get more detailed information about how memory works or what Lightroom does with memory as you're in the develop module. All right. So then I'm going to put my mouse on the slider after the, those tools are up to show me the data about utilization of the hardware. I'm going to put my mouse on the slider. And I'm going to wiggle the mouse back and forth, left to right, as extreme as I can, as fast as I can for one full minute, just rocking that slider back and forth as fast as I possibly can. And this is a use case. Like I said, no photographer would ever do this. It's it's completely stupid. Why would you ever rock that slider as fast as you can? But I want to watch what does the slider do? And I've been through enough of this testing already to see that this is a valid way to try to test how much processor or what what resource, what hardware resource on your computer does that slider need? Some of them are way more intensive on the computer processor, the CPU, than others. It was, there's differences. I've seen it enough now to be able to say for sure there are differences. And I'm sure you've kind of felt that as you've used Lightroom, but there are differences. Uh, I can see kind of how much the graphics processor is being used. And that was one of my big questions. I really want to understand how much does graphics processor matter? Um, Because that's a a big decision you have to make when you're buying a computer, especially with a Mac. You've got to figure out, am I using 
Am I going to buy this? Because you can't change it after the fact. You can't do anything about it. With a PC, you, you can have more flexibility in a desktop. But in a Mac, unless you're buying the new Mac Pro, which none of you listening should do <laughs> because they're just uh, they're not designed for you, that you are not the target. I mean, if you have the money, fine, go for it. That's sweet. But uh, I don't think it's going to make a, a massive difference with Lightroom. Um, but that's a whole different topic. So I, I'm going to do this testing. I'm going to test these 51 elements. And then so 51 features. I'm going to go through rocking the sliders for one full minute. And then I'm going to give the computer one full minute to recover so that when I do the next test, it's recovered from the test I just did. And hopefully, you know, the, the CPU, pro, the processors had time to cool down and, and get back down to low levels. The graphics processor had time to cool down, hopefully isolating the usage of each of these features enough. And my testing that I've done so far has shown this is really effective that I can truly understand how much this each slider or each uh, adjustment brush or, or radio filter or all of those features that are in the develop module, what they actually need and what they actually use. Again, way outside of a normal use case, but it's a way I can gather data and a way that I can get kind of apples to apples comparisons when I change the controls in the test. So... Let's talk about that. I plan to do all 51 features. I'm going to test all 51 features multiple times and change only one thing at a time, of course, so that it's as good a result as I can get, as good a data set as I can get. And I can speak very authoritatively on what you need in a computer to run Lightroom and make the develop module fast, as fast as you can get it. What's worth spending money on and what's not. So I want to test PC versus Mac for sure. That's a, a, a baseline thing that absolutely has to be done. I know that has to be one of the things. So that's the first uh, variable that's going to be there, Mac versus PC. And I want to start off with the baseline being no graphics processor. So turn that off in Lightroom and uh, no previews. I don't want, I want to have that be kind of the control set. I'm going to do PC, no graphics, no previews, Mac, no graphics, no previews. So the only thing changing is PC versus Mac. Then I want to change adding the GPU, adding graphics processing in the mix. PC with GPU, no previews, Mac, no G, no, no uh, graphics processor, no previews. Then I want to change previews, yeah, on and off. So I have a number of tests that I'm going to do because it's one minute racking that slider as fast as I can or using the adjustment brush as fast as I can uh, and then one minute off, it means each test is over 90 minutes long. So I have ahead of me a massive amount of testing and I have some information in already. I've, I've done, I've completed two of the iterations of the test so far. I'm going to keep going on it and then I'm going to be able to share some information with you. I'm going to be able to tell you what sliders are more intensive on your computer And I'm going to be able to offer much better advice on what you need in a computer in order to make Lightroom work well. So I hope that's the practical side of this, even if if this sounds totally boring, (laughs) like the actual testing or or something like I don't understand exactly what he's talking about. But in the end, you're going to get I'm going to have really solid information to be able to share with you on what matters when you're buying a computer to run Lightroom and specifically to make the develop module fast. Because I'm convinced the reason most of us feel like it's slow is not the stuff that most people are testing. The reason it feels slow has to do with 
the uh, how the develop module works. That's where we spend most of our time in Lightroom is in the develop module, adjusting our photos. All right, then the other cool thing, that the other nice benefit I'm going to get out of this, I'll be able to use this testing as future versions of Lightroom come out. And I, I may not <laughs> repeat all of the tests, but depending on what Adobe changes in Lightroom from release to release, I'll have some baseline numbers now and I'll be able to compare that in the future to new releases and what comes out and how did that impact things. So uh, this information I'm going to make available at phototacopodcast.com and I'll talk about it in either here on the Master Photography Podcast or over at the other podcast, Photo Taco Podcast. So you're going to want to subscribe to both of those shows if you're interested in learning this information and having this information or bookmark phototacopodcast.com and, and check out uh, the articles as they come out as I post information about this. You can also follow me on Twitter and Facebook because I plan to share some of this information as I'm learning it. So if you kind of want to feel like you're following along with this process without having to do any of the technical work, you can follow me and, uh, and I'll be sharing some of that information. I'll have links in the show notes to my social media stuff so that you can, you can follow that information. I'd, I'd love to have you kind of keep up. Lastly, and then I'll close up the show here. If you have any interest at all <laughs> in helping me with this, uh, because I don't have enough variability in my hardware, I'd like to do more tests than this. Um, but I only have one. Well, actually, I have two Macs I can test on, two MacBook Pros and a PC. And that's that's the hardware I have. So that's that's I don't have anything more and I can't do more testing. I'd love more data if possible. So if any of you listening are willing to waste a bunch of time of your lives <laughs> in gathering this technical information, I can get you a spreadsheet, um, a, a Google Docs spreadsheet that has the features that I want tested and I the information that I need gathered and kind of what um, how to go about doing this. I, I pretty much described it, but I can give you a little more information if you need it. If you're willing to do that and you have some different equipment than I do, I'd love your help. So if that interests you, <laughs> I'm hoping that there are some out there who are interested in, in contributing data to this project. Um, then drop me a line. Um, phototacopodcast at gmail.com is uh, where you should send that. If you are interested in doing that, that's phototacopodcast at gmail.com and I'll get with you and I'd love your help if you're willing to do this. It is too, it is extremely time consuming. I'll warn you that up front. Really, really time consuming. This is going to take a huge amount of my free time over the next little bit. So, <laughs> so be prepared for that. I'd love your help, but make sure you have the time to allocate to this because it's going to take it's going to take quite a bit of time to to do this testing. All right. So so that's it. That's the end of the show. That's what I had for you today. I, I hope you found the episode interesting. Um, <laughs> I don't know if, if it is or not. My dude out of the week is going to be my, um, my Photo Taco podcast article on Lightroom uh, memory utilization and, and what you can do there. So you can go check that out. I, I've already gone through most of the detail here. But that, that will be my dude out of the week this week. And um, reminders, phototacopodcast.com is going to have all the show notes for every episode that I do. And uh, Facebook group. You can join the Facebook group by going to master going and searching in Facebook for Master Photography Podcast or check out the show notes and there's links to the group there. You do have to answer a question about a host, naming a host on the show. 
And I've, <laughs> I even saw one yesterday that was Ansel Adams was the answer, which was a nice try, A for effort, but you're not getting in. We want to make sure it's just listener, listeners in the show. And, uh, and I'm not going to, uh, we're not going to let anyone into there that can't answer that question. That's a really simple, basic question. So Jeff will work um, for this episode, but any of the other hosts that have been on with Brent and Connor and Erica and Brian and uh, Nick Page, Lord Page, uh, Levi, Jenna. See, there's a whole bunch of names right there. If you've ever listened to the show, you have them now. So put any of those names in and you're in. But don't put those names in and we won't we won't be letting you into the group. Uh, you can find my work at jsharmanphotos.com. My other podcast, which I've talked about plenty here, is phototacopodcast.com. You're going to want to go check out the articles that I have coming out there, not just the podcast episodes. I'll put my Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook links in the show notes. And that is it for this episode. So I hope it wasn't too painful to just have my one voice on the show. We know that it's really a lot more fun when there's more than one and when it's not a topic like testing out CPU memory and GPU utilization in Lightroom. But I hope that it's going to produce some information that is really valuable to you. And I hope you'll you'll enjoy that. And uh, we'll, so thank you all for, for listening. We so appreciate all of you listeners and uh, we'll see you again in another seven days. 